Ladies and gentlemen, what's up and welcome back. This is not the final cut. I am your host, Greg Susi. I'm Sam Brown. I'm the co-host. It is so good to be back. It, yeah. it's, it's been it's it's a long time no listen for the listeners, long time no talk for us. Even though I'm you longer seeing, than me. Yeah. Even though I'm gonna be seeing you tomorrow. But yeah, I'm going I'm to excited. visit him. I will say I'm gonna hold it over your head that I've done more episodes than you now for the rest of the podcast so oh my gosh be prepared well, for that just you wait till you take a trip and then i'll find my way to sneak in a, a solo one in there that's true you might else. catch back up yeah you're only one ahead but no but i thought you did a nice job on that one the, thank you it's, it's it's tough uh you know doing what we do alone with no one to bounce your thoughts off of besides your yeah. computer screen so i thought i thought you did a good job with that yeah the trip the trip was something else i think it was even though you're ahead of me now, it was well worth it. That oh, was, yeah. uh, it was incredible. It, it looked like an experience. It looked like some of the stuff you were posting. It looked beautiful. Yeah, I'll, I'll fill the listeners in that I just, you know, basically graduated college and for a month went across like, I think it's seven or eight different states. And I went to a bunch of our, our country's lovely national parks, a couple cities. One thing I want to shout out, this is very relevant to the podcast. Uh, whilst I was on my trip, I saw everything everywhere all at once. In my, I have not yet seen Top Gun Maverick, but in my opinion, movie of the year so far with what I've seen. And uh, I saw it at this place in Salt Lake City, Utah called Brewies. Such a cool place. There's a bunch of pool tables in there. It's a bar, restaurant meets movie theater. They have two theaters. So while I was there, they were playing every, everything everywhere and they were playing Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness because that had just come out. And you can just go in, you get your, you like order some beer, you play pool and, until your movie starts and you order your food and your, and maybe another beer, whatever you want. And you take that and you, they have like trays in front of the seats in the theater. So you just go eat and watch your movie. And it's just, it's, it's a really cool vibe. So I think uh, if you go to Salt Lake city, check out Brewies. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Gotta, gotta plug, plug that place on here. Cause that's like, it, it really is. If you're a, if you're a movie person, it's a great place to go get, get a drink and a bite but yeah what's been going on with you uh not a whole lot I'm, I'm mostly getting ready for uh for my trip I have kind of two I'm going to visit you and then I'm coming home for like one day and then my family's going on vacation for about a week uh, I mentioned in the last episode that I did a, a two-day little like getaway with my friends in a cabin that was a lot of fun it where where at it was in the Appalachian Mountains in North Virginia. I live in Virginia, for those that don't know. It was a mountain called Mount Jackson. It was very nice. It was a cool cabin. Uh, seems like you might have been busy. You mentioned everywhere, every, every, oh, geez. What's the movie called? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Fitting that uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other movies that you've seen recently? um so it was tough to you know watch stuff while on the trip but i so i saw that and then my friend and i did watch um wind river when we were in wyoming just because like it's kind of where it's said that's a really good movie it's you will you don't really feel great <laughs> watching that yeah. one but it's it, yeah it's 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 a really good uh film uh with jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen not sure who directed it but uh that was good and we watched, he showed me The Rock. We were kind of doing topical movies with where we, where we went. Yeah. So I watched The Rock with uh, Ed Harris and Nick Cage. That was good um, because we went, we went to Alcatraz for a day in San Francisco. So that was pretty cool. Nice. But yeah, I mean, so not too much watching. I've been, since, since getting home, really catching up on TV because the Obi-Wan series came out, which has been insane. I'll take a break and just talk about TV here for a second. Stranger yeah. Things, which is unreal. I just finished Peaky Blinders. Just all these shows that are like my favorite shows that have all just kind of come back at once. So I've had to stay on that. And I still haven't even seen uh, the boys new season yet. And I love that show. So yeah, movies I've might been, have to take a backseat. <laughs> I've been also doing TV a lot. On, and a lot of the movies I watched recently were for the topic rewatching things so i'll talk about those later but 
since we're mentioning TV, you mentioned uh, Stranger Things. I watched that. I'm currently watching The Boys with my mom and my brother. Uh, interesting thing to watch with your mom. Yeah, but... uncomfortable show to watch yeah. with a parent. Yeah. Uh, I watched Kyle Mooney's show on Netflix, Saturday Morning All-Star Hits, which is like a, a throwback to 90s Saturday morning cartoons. It's a really weird show, but it's it's very funny. Nice. Uh, and then in terms of movies, really the only thing I've watched recently that I'm not going to be talking about later is uh, The Unbearable Weight of, of Massive Talent, the movie where Nicolas Cage plays himself. Very funny. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan, though. So. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. I, I was going to see that almost when I saw Northman a while back, but I, I wound up choosing Northman, and then I just couldn't get back to the theater to see that one. Yeah. Is that, so what's that? Is, do you have to rent it, or what's, what's that on? Uh, it's early access on Amazon Prime, so it's a it's a buy, not a rent. But my dad gotcha. and my brother are also very big Nicolas Cage people, so we were okay with gotcha. spending the twenty bucks or whatever to buy it. Yeah, that works. Um, I guess moving into our uh, review here, I another recent watch. I I rewatched Top Gun just because you know Maverick's coming out. I think there's a lot of hype surrounding that right now. Uh, so I figured, obviously, we're going to review that for people, you know, in case it's going to be a spoiler review, I figure, right? You think so? Yeah. yeah. And and that way, if people don't, they haven't seen the original, really don't care to. I mean, I obviously want to even rewatch it just to make sure everything was like fresh in my mind, even some lines of dialogue that might be important. Yeah. You know, I don't, I hope they don't in the new one do a ton of, like, it's not solely fan service and it's just a crutch of the, like, the first one, just such a crutch. But I, yeah. I hope they include some stuff where it's like, ah, that's... Oh, that's they'll, they'll definitely that's, that's, do some callbacks. Yeah. But I've, I've heard amazing things about Top Gun Maverick, so it's only fitting that today we review Top Gun, the original. I'd like to hear your thoughts first. My thoughts first? I mean, okay. Yes. I saw Top Gun for the first time when I was much younger. I'd kind of forgotten it, and I'd seen it maybe one other time between now and then in my current rewatch. Um, I think it's a great movie for a few reasons. I mean, it has something that I really value in movies, which is comedic timing and kind of the timing of more serious plot development and and character development. Character development in this movie with Maverick in particular is very good and just kind of the arc that you see him go through. But again, when I think of movies that I really like, like Forrest Gump, Stand By Me, Fight Club, Breakfast, uh, Breakfast Club, just to name a few of them. They all have like really good romantic timing, serious timing, you know, some of the more harsh things to swallow versus just like the really good jokes that are put in there at, the, at those perfect times. And I think that Top Gun does it really well. And that's one reason I'll get into a few more after I let you say maybe your opening piece on it. But that is kind of the overarching thing that draws me to it. But about it. So this is my first time ever watching. I had never seen it. Uh, until four days ago or whenever I watched this. Um, I knew it by reputation. I knew like, you know, the sweaty beach volleyball scene and all the stuff (laughs) like that, that everyone knows. I think I'm confused on why it's a classic. I think it's fun and it's funny to watch. I don't think it's a very good movie. In my opinion, it just doesn't hit with me. Uh, I've never really been that interested in uh, dog fights on film or like any plain stuff on film. I always kind of think it's hard to film that in an, in an engaging way, at least for me. Obviously, a lot of people disagree. They're very popular movies, a lot of plain movies. I think it is very fun, though. And I, I would watch it with like my friends and laugh because it's like a good time for most of it. Uh, I just, I don't know. It doesn't hit with me the way it seems to with a lot yeah. of people yeah i knew i knew you were gonna say it's fun just because yeah. like that's it is like it has that vibe right and i think there are it's just the fact that you have a fun movie like that that includes things like spoiler the one that everyone knows goose dying yeah and just what and the grief that you see um maverick take on from that and kind of how that affects his relationships with both his favorite passion flying and with uh, other people um, particularly Charlie Kelly, Kelly McGillis' character. And I think 
that's something that I think can resonate with people. Cause like everyone on this planet at some point is faced with grief. Right. So like, that's yeah. something more serious that people can take from it. And then they, the fact that you still have such a good time and you feel so, like I said, you don't feel good at the end of wind river. You feel ambiguous yeah. at best. You feel good at the end of this movie, despite yeah. having gone through that. So there's almost some subtle message there of just like coming through grief, which is really powerful. Um, but I, I totally get what you're saying with fun though. Like if, if the movie just for whatever themes or whatever else reason just didn't hit as much because there's other movies that do this too, just didn't hit as hard yeah. as another movie that you like, then yeah, like just enjoy the jokes, enjoy the the action and just kind of be done with it. So it's an under two hour movie. One thing I would add is that I did love the score. It's a very simple piano score mm-hmm. when they actually use the movie score instead of the, you know, the songs. I was just really quick and gonna throw in that I liked the score. I hated the needle drops. I, I did not like any of the <laughs> like radio music they played, but like the like the song music, like something yeah, yeah. written by an artist. Gotcha. I so it's interesting you said because I, I have a point about the the music. Again, as I say, I love the score. The piano that piano score, I hope to God that is at least noted in Maverick at some point. Yeah. Um but I've never seen a movie before rely on two songs the way this movie relies on two songs like danger zone and take my breath away by obviously uh kenny loggins and berlin respectively they those two songs come back in and out of the fold from start to finish like like title to credits and i've never seen a movie do that like the closest thing that comes to my head is inception with the song but that's like diegetic that's like it's in the movie it's not it's not something just played over over their world yeah i have you ever seen that like well i'm gonna get a little hypocritical in about 30 minutes talking about something like this but with top gun and i think it might just because i don't like those songs i got tired of it real fast (laughs) the same two (laughs) songs being used uh but again like i said i'm gonna sound real hypocritical in about 30 minutes (laughs) And the listeners and you will just have to pick up on it. Oh, I'm not I say it right now. Gosh, it's going to be in one of your lists. Okay. Yeah, no, I kind of liked it because, again, I, I found it interesting that they, because I'd never, it's kind of nuanced to me. Like, I've never seen a movie do that, even through stuff I've seen recently. And I thought the Take My Breath Away theme just kind of worked with the vibe between Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. I don't know. Some of their romance scenes were kind of weird. Like if I had yeah. to knock this movie on one thing, like the silhouette kissing's a neat idea, but it was just something about it. Just kind of was not way, as aesthetic, not as aesthetically pleasing as I thought it could have been. Yeah, the way '80s romance is filmed a lot of times is is a little bizarre to me. Just it, it's a, a knock I have on a lot of '80s movies. It, I don't know, yeah. creeps me out a little bit. And like, I'm all for the romantic plot line too. Like yeah. I, I was there with it. It was, it was making me feel something, but there's just something that takes you out of it whenever it's like, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, or people don't really act like that in this. Like, you know, beyond that, I think the, the use of those songs was at least interesting to me. And I don't think I'd ever heard that. Again, I, I say that I've kind of broken record here, but with the those two needle drops particularly i don't know that i've seen that before yeah uh you you alluded to it earlier or i guess you didn't allude to it you mentioned it pretty explicitly goose dies <laughs> uh yes. goose i will say is my favorite character in the movie i like goose Absolutely. a lot it i understand the thematic importance of goose dying but also it being a movie where the most the thing I enjoyed most about it was the fun as soon as goose died it was kind of a slog to get me to the end yeah I, understand I, do, that. I, I, I do get it though obviously I want to mention the actor I need to find his Anthony name Anthony Edwards yes it's Anthony, Anthony Edwards, Edwards you're right uh, I also like Val Kilmer in it a lot I like Iceman yeah yeah I think he's all he's cast for the new one as well so yeah it seems like people are people are back so i'm excited I, i've heard again I'm for, for maverick i've heard nothing but good things um that's all i kind of had to say about the original because again there's not it nothing it's a really pretty simple movie yeah there's nothing really deep to dissect but it's you do just 
I just didn't really enjoy it. And I think that's why it was maybe worth a sequel. It's been a long time since it'd come out. Um, you know, I have a buddy who a lot of his family flies and so like yeah. it, it really hits with them. And it's just, it's cool to hear him talk about, you know, how the different lens, like, especially whenever you do like experience some of the stuff. So, yeah. Um, with the like quota quotability of the movie, I think a lot of the lines I like the most aren't the ones that like I hear as, oh, it's, oh, it's such a great line. We're like the yeah. need for speed line. Yeah, that's fine. But I like when he when he goes, I was inverted. <laughs> I think yeah. that's really funny. It's yeah, it's kind of his facial expressions too that get me. It's like because it sometimes it's a lack of dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. He when she shows up and she's like, he realizes like shit, she's the teacher or the yeah. instructor. <laughs> he just leans over to Goose and he's like, oh, <laughs> I do like that scene. And I think we've all done something or said something in some obviously different context. It's not flight school where it's just like, yeah. oh, man, that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I do think he, he gets that across really well. And I think he even like puts his sunglasses on to hide his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of very uh, memorable lines for sure. Um, like you said, not even some of the, like, yeah, the, the need for speed. It's yeah. yeah, I get it. You fly fast jets, but there are, there's definitely more comedic ones. Like their, their whole dialogue in the, in the woman's bathroom was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. I, I, I really think people should watch it before they go see Maverick if you have not yet. Um, but Top Gun Maverick is in theaters and I, I'll be going to see it. Who knows, Sam, maybe when you're in town. We can see that or everything. Yeah, I'm gonna see it eventually. Uh, I think Top Gun the original is on. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you got Prime, you can watch it. That's all I. Uh, that's all it. I have. Yeah, that's all I have as well. So it's, it's a pretty easy movie to digest. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for Top Gun Maverick, or not Top Gun Maverick, but the uh, the OG. Uh, we can move on to some news. I've got uh, just a few points here, Sam. Do you have a how many? How many? Uh, I've got know, about like, three headlines. You got three? Yeah, I got about three too. You can lead it off though. Hit us with some news. All right. So this is a little old. I think it's from about a week ago. But Joker two, uh, a lot of stuff is coming about that. Uh, Lady Gaga is apparently in early talks to play Harley Quinn, and the movie potentially is going to be a musical. Interesting. I- how do you feel about that? I think it's a bad idea, but also I don't really care. I don't think I would care about the movie that much anyway. So yeah, do it. Sure. Right. I, I want to see this stupid sounding movie. <laughs> I think that's, that's funny. That's my thoughts exactly where it's like, I don't even necessarily think it's stupid. I think you you had such a good success with the first one. I don't know that the second one's going to live up, especially when it's about one character's journey primarily mm-hmm. so i think making it a musical really helps to differentiate it from the first one where a lot of people like you said might have been unenthused to see yeah. like ah oh, it's joker too there's joaquin phoenix again doing his thing now it's i gotta at least see what this is what they're trying to do here yeah i and, i was debating not really watching joker too i'm gonna watch it now <laughs> if it's a musical, yeah exactly I'm gonna watch it because that's funny i don't know it's yeah it definitely is a differentiator I think i also and this sounds bitter but i also do kind of like the idea of people who were really really into the first one being like what what is this because I, <laughs> I don't know i think that's really funny yeah yeah for sure i'm yeah I'm, I'm, again i'm indifferent towards it i think it's, it's a it's a decision and i think if they execute it well it's gonna be good yeah uh, especially i mean lady gaga so we've seen her talent time and time again as both an actress and a singer so i think she'll do well in that role um I had one. It's kind of disappointing. Disappointing to me. Sylvester Stallone will not return as Rocky in Creed Three. He gave a statement on why. I didn't read why. I was just very peeved at the headline, so I closed it. I was like, "Screw that." Um, I get he's had a long career as Rocky. I would understand wanting to hang it up, especially after Creed One being a success. Creed Two, in my opinion, being even better. Mm-hmm. 
I think then Creed like, two also gave him a pretty good like ending, a, a pretty good close on the Rocky story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he's not dead though. That's the no. thing. Like, yeah, we, I think he can return at some point if he wants to. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bummer, but I don't think Creed three is necessarily going to be awful. I do think it'll be missing. It'll feel like it's missing something. Do you know who's directing it? Is it uh, Michael B. Jordan? Did I am I making that up or is he? Yep, Michael B. Jordan is directing it. Interesting. I'm kind of excited to see that. Yeah, I don't know if this is his. Is this his first project? This is the director. Do you know? Uh, I mean, I, that I yep, know of. Yeah, he's preparing his directorial debut. Interesting. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. I'm curious what that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I always, you know me in that um, that whole series from from Rocky 1 to Creed 3, like to Creed 2. It's, I I love Rocky and and Creed so much. I think maybe that's one good thing to be said about him not coming back, right? Is that this is a chance for Michael B. Jordan to cement himself as like, this is Creed, this is my series. This isn't just a continuation of Rocky. Like this is its own thing, which it very much is. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for that. So you can go ahead. So, uh, Leah Seidau, who many of you probably know from the, the more recent James Bond movies, she's James Bond's love interest. She's also in, uh, Wes Anderson's most recent film, which is the French dispatch, uh, among other things, obviously. And Christopher Walken, uh, have both been cast in Dune part two. I know Christopher nice. Walken is playing the Emperor. I don't. I didn't see who Leah Seidel was playing exactly. I also don't. I haven't read the book, so I don't think I'd know the character anyway. But two very good actors in a movie that already has a pretty great ensemble cast. So, yeah, that I'm excited for that. That sounds cool. Heck yeah! I I didn't see uh, Christopher Walken, but I saw her Leah get cast. And it said it was to a notable character. I also have not read the book, so I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like she's going to be pretty um, pretty involved. So I have one here that producer Frank Marshall, uh, he has a ton of optimism towards Indiana Jones 5. I don't know if you read what he was saying, but he was dropping lines like, it's everything fans are going to want for the fifth Indiana Jones film, which after Crystal Skull, I'm happy to hear. Because I didn't love that one, uh, but as a childhood Indiana Jones fan, I'm excited for this, and I'm glad you have optimism coming from our producer. Just because, like, I mean, they're the ones whose money is on the line, so obviously, yeah. if he feels like it's going to be good, he's he's feeling pretty good about it. Um, I think I think that'll be an interesting one for us to discuss because you just mentioned you were a childhood fan of the movies. I don't really hold a, that much like nostalgia or anything for them. I mm-hmm. the ones I saw I saw much later in life so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic of someone who isn't super attached to it versus someone who has a childhood like fan of it and I wouldn't even say like I'm that huge of a fan like yeah. I saw them first time as a child obviously but and I, I enjoyed them because I love any adventure movie usually but I would say of adventure series like Harry Potter Lord of the Rings uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones Star Wars Pirates of the Caribbean it's probably lowest on my list Gotcha. Just because, like, even, um, what else is there? Like, I'm just trying to think that I could put above it, but like, there, it does usually fall like I'm least nostalgic of them, but mm-hmm. there's still something there. So, Taika Watiti, who's of course, uh, the, yeah, <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> um, he did the last two Thor movies, including the one that's coming out soon. Uh, as well as uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, among other things, uh, is doing a Star Wars film, and he has said his film is not going to be tied to the Skywalker saga. I say good. I'm tired of hearing about that family. (laughs) I mean, Obi-Wan is great. I don't know if you've watched any episodes of Obi-Wan, but it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I don't think they've missed on anything so far. But yeah, I am... Like completely screw the sequels they're awful like the the seven eight nine you know mm-hmm. but i'm glad that we're going to be seeing some still star wars content but going in a different direction yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that it's funny we're bouncing a lot of our 
very similar uh, topics on each other here. Because my next one is that Kevin Feige kind of teased Marvel's next big storyline. He didn't really say much. Like, he just very much teased it. He just said that fans are going to get a clearer picture of the big plot in the coming months, which is very important. Because right now, mm-hmm. the Marvel cycle feels like it is never ending. Yeah. Like and I, I this is coming from a Marvel fan. Like I love that there's stuff out a lot, but man, do they drop content yeah like crazy? And I think it's important for fans like me who are maybe kind of questioning, all right, what's what's going on here? Are we just doing money grabs now, or is there something bigger coming? Mm-hmm. That I think it's important to see a bigger plot because after Endgame and Infinity War, it was like, okay, we tied together an insane amount of movies that was amazing but like now we're like where do you go from there so to see that they have a vision is pretty cool but i it's will it be good or not is a question i guess it's still up in the air it is interesting to see if like because i expected after um end game there to be a little bit of burnout from like fans but i think the the pandemic may have gotten people where like they just wanted to see things because nothing was coming out that it reignited and I'm, I'm curious to see how long like it lasts where people are like like fiending for the next marvel thing which yeah. it could last forever maybe i don't know and there are like they're popular movies and a lot of them are well made enough that like yeah, yeah keep making them if they make money it's it's so hard to fiend for though whenever you do drop something like every week of the year like for the first yeah. however many weeks we had a new piece of content and they were all good like moon knight was good i liked all the shows but it comes a point where back in the day of iron man and, and captain america we got one or two movies a year we had a summer release mm-hmm. and a winter release and they were great we were excited and they were eager for the next one it's hard to be eager when you're constantly dropping new stuff yeah and it's also hard to enjoy like really grounded, more grounded projects like Hawkeye when you have these massive scale multiversal plot crazy things. And I like those more grounded plots like Iron Man mm-hmm. 1 is like one of my favorites. And I think it's important that they get back to that. And I think fans will be okay with them getting back to that and not craving so much of the multiversal stuff as long as they know a connection is in the future. Yeah. If you're if there's going to be something bigger that includes all of them, I'm a, like so happy to watch just like a, a more grounded story like i say even grounded with moon knight just because it's about one guy but it yeah. that even has crazy implications on on some things i'm not going to spoil anything but yeah uh yeah and i think like the hype for marvel was the biggest at least in my observation when infinity war and endgame were like on the horizon and you could see them coming but you still yeah. had the smaller movies for the time being like smaller than infinity war and Endgame, but right every every marvel movie is a big movie but yeah. you know what i mean yeah but now like eternals is like one of the individual projects and yeah. that just expanded the universe times like a thousand yeah <laughs> um but yeah so that's what is from the mouth of the man i mean kevin feige he's the head honcho so we'll see what we what we learn in the next few months and what that clearer picture actually is but is that is that all you have for the news? That's all I have. All right. This is it. We're getting into our main segment now. And I think so. We're going to be starting a series here. This series is called Favorite Movie by Year by Decade. Uh, this was Sam's idea. I give him all the credit for this one. We are going to be going through and picking our favorite movies from each year in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and so on. Um, we're not going to be doing these all at once. These are going to be, uh, yeah. you know, kind of woven through the podcast as just um, a series of episodes that we are dropping, though. Sam, yeah, you excited? So I'm, I'm excited. The way I kind of thought about this was essentially my favorite movie, because I had been kind of building these lists for a while uh my favorite movie from each of the like last 50 years but making it more digestible by separating the decades because it it is essentially my favorite movie from the last 50 years 
which yeah. is kind of crazy to say, but when you separate by decade, it becomes more digestible. It comes 10 and then, you know, whatever. That's yeah. I like the, the by decade. It's just, it's got a nice ring to it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we can, we can go ahead and get into this. This was, there were some real tough calls for me. Some years, obviously that I, you know, they're, weren't so tough because i have only seen one or maybe two movies from that year um but i'm sure obviously that'll change as we move into 90s 2000s but 1970s were no slouch i mean there were this is a lot of really good films in this decade um so yeah i'll let as the the mind behind the the series i'll let you uh kick it off i do want to ask which way are we going are we going down or up (laughs) Oh, surely 70 to 79. Okay, that's what I that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. No, I think okay, we gotta so, go. I think we gotta go 70, then 79, then 71, 78. Yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> so for 1970, I picked Dario Argento's first Giallo film, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh it's never heard of that. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Uh it's as I mentioned, giallo film, which were which were Italian like murder mystery films that uh, had a lot of uh, distinct things in them, like black gloves were a big part of giallo films. Uh, bright colors, um, the blood in the in the murders are often like a, a neon red that like obviously isn't realistic, but it's very beautiful to look at. It does a lot of things that were iconic as Ennio uh, Morricone score or Morricone, I don't know how to pronounce it, I apologize. Uh, that works really well with the ambient noises in the film to create like tension. Uh, the editing's awesome. It does a killer POV shot, which uh, one of the earlier ones that I can think of, because I know Black Christmas did it, that was after. I know Halloween did it, that was after. Uh, Psycho did which was before, but Psycho is groundbreaking in many ways. Um, It's kind of insane to think that this was Argento's first giallo because it is like the most polished, like giallo, giallo film that there is. And it's basically why he's considered the the father of the genre in terms of film. So that's my pick for 1970. It's pretty cool. I I think there's something you said for picking one that's like, groundbreaking and did mm-hmm. did things for the uh the film industry um my 1970 pick is Patton. full disclosure here that is the only movie at least that popped up that i remember seeing from 1970 this most of these years i, I was pretty good I'd, I'd seen a handful at, at least but for some reason that first one 1970 just slip through the cracks yeah um but no okay. gra- uh, my dad liked the graduate Patton was 1967 yeah my dad my dad likes Patton a lot it's one of his, one of the movies he mentions often yeah i mean it's 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 good i just there's no argument i could have against because again there's there's nothing i could stack up to it so my 1970 pick will be Patton. and i think i only i watched this one i think one time in a uh, my, one of my classes in college Moving on to 1971. For my pick for 1971, uh, there were a couple options. I had some things I could have, obviously Clockwork Orange is is a a classic. Everyone knows Clockwork Orange. Dirty Harry came out. I actually haven't seen Dirty Harry, but that is one that a lot of people might pick. Uh, I chose, yeah, (laughs) I chose um, Robert Altman's anti-Western McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, I watched this for the first time fairly recently. And I say anti-Western because it's like essentially about the Western genre dying and the the American West dying or the American West in the sense that it was in movies dying. And if anyone listening has played the game uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, it actually has a fairly similar thematic not storyline, but thematic like thing where it's it's the society is moving west and the 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 world of of the outlaw and the uh, you know in this case like uh, saloons and and 
brothels, that world is kind of coming to an end a little bit. I have played and, that game. And I will, yeah. just to interject, I would say that's a very good description. I, I kind of get, I'm not, I'm not seeing this movie, but I think, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I, I mean, the writers of the game, it's very clearly they took inspiration from uh, right. even like the setting of McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is a Pacific Northwest and there's a lot of snow and uh, the town of Strawberry in the game clearly kind of seems to be inspired by the setting of the, cool. the movie. But Robert Altman uses a sound technique to create realistic sounding dialogue where he doesn't enhance the, the stuff you're supposed to be hearing over the background noise. So you kind of have to listen hard to hear what you're supposed to hear, but it does make it sound like you're in the room, like eavesdropping. It's really, really cool. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Robert Altman a little bit more later, but that's my pick for 1971. Nice. And as you alluded to, my 1971 pick is Dirty Harry. I watched this one this year at school. Um, it's on Netflix right now, actually. Uh, if you want to go, any listeners want to go watch it. It definitely, my there's a special place in my heart for these kind of movies with just like the badass cop, you know, who he's rough around the edges. Maybe his means aren't always the greatest, but he has the best intentions. Mm -hmm. You can think very much like Liam Neeson taken, like he's obviously just trying to save his daughter, best intention possible. But, you know, he's just, he's a real rough, like rough around the edges guy, not afraid to kill people. Um, it's, I think, one of the best Clint Eastwood movies that I've seen because I've never seen Gran Torino, actually. Um, and I know that's highly regarded, but I would take, it's hard to say, I like Million Dollar Baby a lot, right? Him in that, but I, I loved him in this movie. He just has such an edge. I think obviously most famous dialogue ever. You feel, lu yeah. feel lucky, do you, punk? Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a fun watch. There's a lot of good action. You know, it's just it's your San Francisco cop doing what he does. <laughs> nice. So for my 1972, I chose Gordon Parks Jr.'s black exploitation classic Superfly. Uh, exploitation as a genre is uh, incredibly important because it was the first time where uh, black writers and direct, it, it, there were movies fully created by black people for black people, which hadn't been a thing before that. Uh, Superfly in particular, I like a lot because uh, Youngblood Priest played by Ron O'Neill is the intensity he brings. And it is kind of silly, but he is very intense and he does like, these crazy chase sequences on foot, just put his whole heart and soul into, into playing that role. Uh, it is a little bit technically rough around the edges and kind of feels amateurish, but also I love that. I, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of that style. And I do think a lot of that is intentional stylistic choice. Um, and also that's the greatest soundtrack of all time. Uh, it, um curtis mayfield it's my, I, I love that soundtrack i know that's, <laughs> so that sounds pick. like that sounds like your vibe um but i don't know how you can deny that the godfather francis ford coppola's the godfather from 1972 is absolutely the best film in 1972 um it's just it's it's mastery in directing it's mastery in acting it's a classic it's iconic i mean there's a reason it's become such of a mount rushmore movie like as far as history goes i just think it's it's the epitome of like just cinema just oh my gosh i, I can't even really describe what because I've, I've described things about like this shot that shot this scene you know what Al Pacino does and in, in Marlon Brando in, in former episodes. So I'm not going to reiterate all of that, but it's just collectively this, this movie and this series from Coppola is just, or Coppola, or you can say whichever way you want is fantastic. And I'm sure you agree with me to an extent, oh, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. A lot of these, I, I did avoid ones that I felt like were like obvious choices. Well, okay. ones that I thought you would say and ones where I was like, I mean, every, everyone's going to pick The Godfather for 1972. 
Yeah. I, I do want to talk about a little bit different ones as well. But yeah, like it, I mean, it's obviously clearly one of the yeah. most famous movies of all time for a reason. Yeah, very much so. Um, but that's all. Again, I didn't have much to say on it just because it, it, I let the movie speak for itself. If you've not seen The Godfather, I don't know how many more episodes I have to talk about The Godfather or The Godfather Part 2 before you go see it. If you're new to the podcast, go back and listen. I'm a big Godfather fan. I had a poster of it uh, up on my wall from freshman to senior year of college. So. so for 1973, the second appearance of Robert Altman on my list, I picked Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Uh, I actually just watched this like two days ago, and it's already one of my favorite movies ever. Um, there are a ton of movies I could have picked for 73. The Exorcist for 73, uh, Wicker Man, Fantastic Planet, F for Fake, American Graffiti, just a ton of them. But oh, you were going to pick Wicker Man. I really, yeah. I really thought Wicker Man was coming here. Until two days ago, it was. Uh, wow. But The Long Goodbye is um, an anti-noir in the way McCabe and Mrs. Miller is an anti-Western. It is technically a noir film, but it kind of flips the genre on its head, so to speak, where instead of having the harsh lighting of noirs, it's kind of like bled out and bright. Um, instead of having an intense, uh, like uh, serious private detective, he's kind of goofy and like laid back, but um, Elliot Gould, who a lot Elliot of people, Gould. a lot of people may know from a ton of things, but Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld Friends. Um, or yeah, I meant yeah. Friends when I said that. I, I was, I was trying I to think who's in Seinfeld. I think but, I was just wa- I was just watching Seinfeld not thirty minutes ago, so I think that tricked my mind. But yeah, yeah, Gallery Father on Friends. Uh, He is one of the coolest um, characters in film history, in my opinion. I will say, however, there's a story about Robert Altman where a biographer described him as by saying uh, he hated the word story. And instead of stories and plots, he focused more on what made like a person tick or whatever. And a lot of people will probably think this is a really boring movie. I like it because I like just watching a guy kind of stumble around and slowly, methodically solve a mystery. But like the first 10 minutes of this movie are him going to get cat food for his cat and like mumbling to himself and just walking around LA smoking cigarettes and stuff. Uh, Has the most cigarettes I've ever seen in a movie. There's (laughs) a a two minute and 30 second match striking compilation on YouTube from this movie. That's, (laughs) I think that's notable. but it's got, this is the hypocritical part. I talked about Top Gun. It has one song. There's only one song in the entire one? score. It's used in different genres though. It was re-recorded to fit different situations. So like when he goes to the store for the cat food, it's playing as like elevator music, but it is all one song that plays okay. throughout the entire movie. Okay, and so that's an interesting I choice. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's different than hearing Berlin's "Take My Breath Away" yeah. repeatedly and watching Tom Cruise kiss Kelly McGillis. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it may be a, a controversial choice because of how many people dislike it. But if you haven't seen it and you can kind of get through slower movies, I absolutely recommend "Along the Goodbye." It's so good. All right, and that brings me to one of. Martin Scorsese's first Mean Streets for 1973. Um, this for me, I primarily took it because again, I just I like Scorsese. I love his cinematography. Um, there's there's a lot that I like about him and De Niro together that just kind of led me to pick this one. I thought about going with Clockwork Orange. That was this year, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay, yeah. There was a few others that that were tough. I think this the sting was this year. I'd only ever seen clips of that, so I didn't feel good about taking it. Mean Streets was really good. Um, I know you have once said before, I think, that you thought it was a little bit overrated, not maybe Scorsese's bottom table, which I'd potentially agree with, but I think it still takes 
takes my 1973 prize. I'm, one of the worst movies by one of the greatest directors of all time is still a very good movie. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Calling it Scorsese's bottom table isn't yeah. necessarily an insult. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's good. If I, I would recommend it to anyone. It's not one that like I necessarily would rave about if I if someone had never seen any Scorsese movie. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so for 1974, I kind of had a tough time because Texas Chainsaw is a, a groundbreaking horror film. Chinatown is a groundbreaking neo-noir. Uh, Black Christmas is a groundbreaking horror film. And I might have picked scenes from a marriage if I've seen it because I love Bergman, but I haven't seen it. So obviously I can't pick that. But I ultimately landed on Young Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, Mel Brooks, it's um, Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle as Frankenstein's monster. It, it's one that I have an attachment to. My family used to watch it on Thanksgiving, like every year. Uh, I, I believe my dad has said that my grandmother really liked it. I, I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure he said that. And I, I just, I don't know. I've seen it so many times. It's the movie I've seen the most in the year 1974. And it is very funny. It's a, a legitimately good movie. It, I do like it a lot. That's, that's why I chose that. I think, yeah, there's, I would have to say, in, in, in anything, sentimental trumps anything else. Mm. Like, even if it sucked and all the rest of that was true, I bet it would still be, maybe it would be just, just edging out the top, but it would still might be the top just because sentimental and, like, nostalgia are such strong uh, pulls yeah. to stuff. Um. This one might shock you. I think you're, you maybe you're not ready for this one, but my 1974, 1974 pick was Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Not The Godfather Part 2, even though I've said that I like that more than The Godfather before. I do like, the, it goes back and forth, which one I'm more in the mood for. Um, and I already had The Godfather on this list, so I thought, you know, I and I did, when I watched The Conversation for the first time, when I said this movie blew my mind it is it's such a compelling story if you don't know it's about this like investigative reporter i think he is with a he has a past that they kind of dig into i don't even want to say too much about that because a lot of this movie is very much reveal as you go basically he was hired to track this conversation between these two people in union square in san francisco and he doesn't know why i don't i don't think he understands the motives of who hired him but he slowly finds that out as the movie goes and kind of learns what, and you, you're pieced together more and more of the conversation. Like, like this one conversation between the two people is very much the whole movie, but it's the way that he digests and dissects, like what they're saying and how the technology he uses and, and kind of where his past plays into it is really awesome to watch unfold. If you've not seen this movie, like you have to go see it, Sam, I think if you've not seen it, have you seen it? I have not, no. I would particularly recommend it to you because I know you like the movie Blow Up and mm -hmm. its remake Blow Out that you've talked about several yeah. times on this podcast. Um, but uh, Coppola is quoted with saying that, that uh, Blow Up, the original from 1966, was a key influence for this script. So, and, and like the way it was kind of all cut together as well, like yeah. a lot of the editing I think is is very much bitten from from blow up so i think you must shoot the conversation to the top of your list yeah i'm definitely gonna just from hearing what you said about it i'm definitely gonna watch that pretty soon yeah it's 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 very good and i think it's just it's funny to me this kind of shows coppola's coppola coppola i i switched that <laughs> so, pronunciation so many times but it's funny that in 1974 like when you look at the oscars he made the conversation. He made the Godfather part two and just beat himself. Like yeah. best picture and best director. He just was on fire in the seventies. So yeah. for 1975, That's... it's another one that I had a ton of movies. I could have put another Argento movie that came out that year was uh, Profondo Rosso or deep red. Love that movie. Uh, the documentary gray gardens I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Jaws are obviously huge ones. 
Uh, but I chose Andrea Tarkovsky's Mirror. I've also talked about that on the podcast. Uh, I have a connection to this movie in that it, it, uh, it made me feel something. As corny as that sounds, it really did. And like, I have not, it's, it's the kind of movie it kind of burrows in your head after you see it. And I've thought about this movie and like what this movie made me think about upon watching it, like for the, ever since I saw it. So it, I mean, it's just, it has left an impact on me, not to mention it's also one of the most technically proficient and like great poet, po poetry movies uh, ever made. So I chose Mirror. I like the pick. I like the pick. And I think, yeah, if a movie makes you feel something, that's what it sought out to do. So it accomplished its goal. Um, on the contrary, though, like I'm, well, I'm not, it's very much on the same wave of it made me feel something. But I also just remember watching this movie early in life, and it is Jaws. I, I pick it because I, I love the movie. It's never died on me. I, even with the effects not being up to date, right? And there's better shark movies per se out there. Like, um, I don't know if you've seen Shallows with Blake Lively. Like that one's actually pretty good. Jaws, it was prolific for the industry too with the summer blockbuster. It basically invented that. Um, it just, it's so entertaining. I remember it rocking me to my core the first, because I saw it as kind of probably too young of a child, to be honest. Um, and it, it was definitely an influence on me. It, it was one of those movies that made me like movies because then I started digging into Spielberg and like what his like come to film was like mm -hmm. and a lot of that. So it was just, it was very much a formative movie for me. Nice. Yeah. Jaws, I was looking at it and I was like, I mean, yeah, if, if mirror didn't come out that year, Jaws would be one of the ones I would consider. Yeah. That one. I mean, it was an easy, I just looked up 1975 to make sure that was the year. And then, it was an easy pick. I think yeah. the only one that I would really say even kind of stands up to it is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. And the other ones that I saw, but yeah, jaws. So 1976, uh, there were a lot that I think a lot of yeah. people would pick. This is a hard year. There's one that I intentionally didn't pick that I'm not going to really bring up, but assault on precinct 13. I haven't seen yet. It, it looks awesome, looks great. And The Outlaw Josie Wales, I like, but Carrie, I think I've, I think I've talked about it on the podcast. I'm not entirely sure, but Brian De Palma's Cara, Carrie, it's, I mean, it's, the editing is so interesting. It's such a, a, a cool horror movie. It was very unique at the time. It's got, gotten bitten a lot, but at the time it was very unique. So I mean, there's just not much to it. It's a good movie, and I like it, so I picked it. <laughs> I've actually not seen the original Carrie, but even without, it's funny because even without that, this is a hard year for me. I'm shocked you did not pick Taxi Driver. That's the one I didn't mention on purpose. Yeah, I didn't pick Taxi Driver either. I love that movie. It is great, but I can't call it my favorite movie of 1976. Um, Network is also great. It's another one I it's funny it's serious like talk about a balanced movie it was very very much balanced i watched this one in a class and it was cool because we did a study on it afterwards so i have even more like more of an appreciation for some of the technical aspects but my number one that i there's nothing that could beat this is rocky as we just talked about um in our you know our news section i think that was when we were talking about yeah. that i love rocky this whole series, especially the first one, it's the first like underdog story that I remember seeing. And it just, I have so much nostalgia with Rocky. I work out to Rocky music, another poster that's on my wall, you know, he's such a yeah. lovable character. It's just, yeah, Rocky is my easy number one choice. I figured you were going to pick Rocky because I know you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be really interesting to see like, cause Taxi Driver and Rocky were the same year. I was like, oh. I still think he's going to pick Rocky, but that is a really interesting yeah, choice. Yeah, you have primetime Scorsese De Niro versus, like, one of my favorite series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, so, for 1977, this was the hardest one for me. 1977 has 
a few of my favorite movies of all time came out all in the same year. Sorry, I'm just trying to set this up to. Hey, take your time. Okay. People um, are listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Nobuhiko Obayashi's House. Uh, it's not like commercially well known, but it's well known among like people who who follow foreign uh, psychological, not psychological, psychedelic horror. Awesome movie. It's really great. Couldn't it got edged out? Eraserhead, uh, probably my favorite David Lynch film. Awesome, weird horror. It got edged out. I picked Suspiria. I a lot of times uh, label Suspiria as my favorite movie of all time. It's Dario Argento. He's one of my favorite directors. The colors are beautiful. The plot is simple. The acting is fun. The, the, the horror and the mystery is just... It's a really exciting movie to watch. Uh, the score is one of my favorite scores ever by Goblin. Um, yeah, it's just, I, it, it shouldn't have been hard because of how much I love Suspiria, but House and Eraserhead did make it hard, but Suspiria is the choice for me. Yeah, that seems like it was a tough one for you. I, I honestly didn't even know about those other two. I, I thought you'd pick Suspiria straight out just because I've heard you talk about it before. And, yeah. and this, the stars kind of align on that one for you. Yeah. Um, for me, full disclosure here, I didn't even bother to look up 1977 to see what else I'd seen. Because I know that Star Wars A New Hope came out in 1977 and started a phenomenal legacy. This movie, at the time it came out, was so influential. It was easily the best sci-fi to date. I mean, it's just just look at the impact it has had. It has one of the biggest followings of any series ever and is still coming out with amazing content. If you look at the Obi-Wan series or uh, Mandalorian, just the, the stage that was set by that first movie cannot be denied. And the movie, just outside of its influence... I think it's very good. I love those original three. I love this is probably my least favorite of the first three just because Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi are so good. But A New Hope is still fantastic. And, and it it is just one of the best, I think, sci-fi movies ever, especially given the time and the effects and everything. Yeah. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, really? I'm, I'm, the first I'm one? not like a crazy Star Wars fan, but yeah, that is my, my favorite one. It's close oh, nice. between that and Empire Strikes Back, but I, I love the cinematography in A New Hope. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It was one of a kind when it came out, and it even it's just it's one of those things for it to withstand the test of time is another yeah. one that, that makes it on top of nostalgia for me uh, a good a good pick. For a 1978, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on a tangent listing a bunch of movies that I liked. There were a lot of them I could have picked. I have a similar reason that you just mentioned with Star Wars for picking my pick, picked Halloween. It is the most iconic slasher ever. Uh, it spawned a franchise that I grew up hating and now really, really like, <laughs> just kind of randomly. But, and it's, I mean, it's obviously the best one. It's one of the only two that are actually good movies or three that are actually good movies in my opinion. But uh, it's really simple. It's not too much. It's a short film, not a short film, but it's a shorter uh, feature length film. It's a, a incredibly rewatchable. I watch it every year, pretty much. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. The sound, the score is great. Um, yeah, just a really good movie. <laughs> you know, um, you hit the nail right on the head. My pick is also Halloween for 1978. It, again, it, this is what got me into horror movies. Uh, I'm a fan of horror movies, obviously. And, and this is the one that kind of the first one I ever really watched and enjoyed. Um, I was kind of young when I watched it, but it's still it's one of those ones where it, it was scary enough that I felt scared, but not so scary that I was turned off by it. And that did a lot for me. And it's also, like you said, seasonal, any kind of seasonal movie is always going to do well. I, re I, I like you watch it every year. I cannot go a Halloween season without watching the original um it's just it's very good so yeah that one the fact that we mutually agree on that one i think says speaks a lot for it it being the pick 
That was that was one on my list that I was thinking. I think Greg's gonna pick the same one as me. Yeah. Uh, That's 19- unavoidable. Yeah. 1979. I I went I went a little weird. You have two other movies that are probably not probably definitely better movies. Uh, one that two that I haven't seen that are definitely better movies. But I love the 1979 weird. Uh, sci-fi horror film phantasm it's bad (laughs) technically speaking it's bad but it's your favorite oh yeah absolutely yeah let's just clarify the difference here when sam says it's bad maybe it doesn't have the technical of like some great directors whatever but that does not matter and yeah because of whatever xyz reason you're about to say the the tall man who is the i guess the villain one of the like scary things in the movie is iconic it's iconic without being iconic because a lot of people wouldn't recognize it but it's iconic to me um the the there's little like little goblin men that look like the guys from star wars with the hoods i don't know what they're called jawas yes there's little little jawa guys in it there's a ball that like chases you around and it'll stab you in the head and suck the blood out of your head it's you so have a great time watching this movie it's so much fun and <laughs> acting is so bad it's just it's so much fun to watch though i i recommend it to everybody it watch it around halloween watch it with your friends laugh it's so good nice so bad but so good at the same time we love there's there are so, so many films out there like that and more that i'm sure we'll get into as we advance through this uh series we're doing here because we're picking you know our favorites not necessarily the best but it's just this is that's so that's great i love hearing that i'll have to i'll have to give that a look just to see how how bad it is (laughs) it's a short movie so like it's an easy watch yeah um yeah 79 i was torn um obviously rocky 2 is phenomenal and i think could even surpass the original the original possibly depending on what you're looking for uh but i couldn't pick that after picking the first one because for me i think the first one's better but um apocalypse now very good movie i did not go with it as well because i picked alien i think i was most torn between alien and rocky too um i went with alien for a couple reasons i like it first of all i think it, it it's a lesson in practical effects it's a it's a great story um but also i have a a nostalgia thing with this where in disney world they had the the great movie ride mm-hmm. which naturally being a huge movie movie guy i loved that ride and cried the day it was taken out of the park but it was in disney's hollywood studios the great movie ride and when you're going through in your whatever ride vehicle there is a part where you go through alien and it just like I remember being young and like that was scary and was similar to like Halloween. It was scary enough where I was like spooked. I'm not gonna yeah. lie when that thing pops out at you, but it was just so fun. And I that is cemented in my brain as something outside of the film itself that just attaches me to the film. Yeah. And like kind of immortalizes it. And that's an easy that, that's why that kind of trumped two very good movies for me for 1979 pretty easily. Yeah. Um my my phone crashed. I, I can't remember the actor's name, but the actor who is uh he plays Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings movies. He's very good in that movie. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I, I believe it's Ian something, too. but Ian Holm. Uh Ian Holm's really, really good in aliens. I, or in alien, excuse me. I like him a lot. Yeah, no, it's a it's a yeah, yeah, it's a very good movie and the practical effects just kind of blow your mind for 1979 especially but i think that's it man that's that is yeah. the 70s so as always thank you for listening um i don't know about you sam but i think it's, it's really good to be back yeah glad to be doing this again and we're, we are going to be more consistent now yeah oh de- yeah definitely i i think um just seeing each other also is going to be a going to be good for this i think as well I agree. As I'm I going agree. to visit you. Uh, yep. But yeah, it, it's it's fun to do. It's I'm happy I've got my my co-host to bounce off of this time. Um, yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not going on any uh, more month-long trips in the foreseeable future. So no. we're going to be on here. Um, again, thank you all for listening. Do go follow us on Instagram. We're still on there. I'm not super active at the moment, again, because I was away and I had no service for probably half the trip. But it is not the final cut on Instagram. We will be posting, asking for maybe your favorite 1970s movie or your 1980s movies uh, moving into the next uh, episode that is of this style. It's not going to be our next episode, but you know, always go on there, comment to us, tell us if you like the show, if you hate the show, maybe even episode ideas for the show. Um, yeah. And honestly, hell, even if you're interested in uh, maybe coming on, well, that's got to be more of a vetted process. But yeah, if you want to come on and and uh, you feel like you're just messaging us, just throw your shot, shoot your shot out there, try it, just see if we'll have you have you on, depending on if you like Halloween or not, since that was our yeah. only mutually agreed upon 1978 uh, film. But we do have, uh, for those of you who have Letterbox, we have a Letterbox account as well. It's right. just the movies that we review on here get put in the review thing. So we, we have that if you want to follow that. And what's that? Is there a username they can get It's for that? not the Final Cut with also no spaces. Not the final cut. All right. Yep. No spaces, not the Final Cut on Letterbox. Yep. All right. We will see you all very soon, but have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.